You're listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. This week we begin a brand new module entitled The Holy Spirit. In this lesson we will be looking at the personality and power of the Holy Spirit. We will meet the third person of the Trinity whom God has sent to be in us and with us. A counsellor, teacher and friend who comes with power to gift us and energise us to live the Christian life to the full. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching and please remember to head on over to ariseministry.org.uk for all the latest news and events and to see the other ministries that we have to offer. Okay, it's good to be with you again as we start this uh, new subject this evening for the next four weeks. Let's just have a word of prayer before we start and uh, we need God's Holy Spirit and interesting we're talking on this subject of the Spirit. We need him to convey truth to us, spiritual truth. So let's just pray and ask. Uh, we don't have to ask God particularly because he'll do that for us. He wants to do that. Heavenly Father we thank you that we can present ourselves before you and uh, give ourselves over to listening to the voice of your spirit within to lead us into truth to give us understanding to cause us to uh, realize what you have for us all the things that you've prepared for us so we make ourselves available to listen lord i ask that you will anoint uh, my lips as i teach lord and cause uh, your ideas to flow father we ask this in jesus name amen lord in the module that we did last time, the, uh, the, the eight principles of receiving God's blessed, one of them was uh, to befriend the Holy Spirit. It was just one lesson of the eight principles. And it's really, this course is the expansion of that one lesson, to become familiar with the Holy Spirit, to uh, learn about him, because it's him that comes to us and brings God to us and brings the things of Christ to us and we're supposed to make ourselves familiar with the third person of the Trinity. In this first session tonight we're going to be looking at the reality of the Holy Spirit, just his reality and then following that um, how we meet him in person and in power. Tonight, uh, you might be discovering something for the first time, or you're, you're being reminded of something. I appreciate that people are all at different levels of understanding and maturity in the things of Christ. So if some things I say to you are really quite basic, just, just bear with that. I'm hoping that God will refresh uh, some things to you. It, unless we keep things before us, we have a danger of uh, losing some of the things. So it's always good to be refreshed of things. It is possible to believe in Jesus without knowing the vibrancy and the Spirit's presence within us. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit come to us and introduce us to Jesus because that's one of his fundamental jobs and to convict us of our sin. That's what he's there to do as well. It's quite another for to open ourselves up for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us, to dwell in his fullness inside of us. 
Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, it says this, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The very way that Paul expresses that, there's a big question mark attached to that. What does Paul mean by asking that question? Do you not know that the Holy Spirit lives within us? When Jesus went back to heaven, his Father sent the Holy Spirit. It was the Father that sent. He came not just, just to influence us, but to take up residence in the body of every believer. That's God's plan. Now, God has lots of things for us, but we have to come to him by faith to receive what he has. We have to appropriate everything that God has for us into our lives. Our Father possesses all things. Our Father is gracious. He wants to gift us with many, many things. We receive from him a number of gifts. Salvation is a gift. It is offered to us by the grace of God, and because it's offered in grace, we can't earn it. We have to receive it by faith. There are a number of baptisms. In the baptisms that we uh, enter into or participate in, it is God gifting us with something. Either he is burning that which shouldn't be there out of us, he's taking us through difficult situations, he's baptizing us with the Holy Spirit, they're gifts where we receive more from God. Deliverance and healing is a gift from God. The manifestations of the Holy Spirit, those nine charismata gifts that we can exercise in worship, is a gift from God. Our ministry gifts, that which God has given us so we can function and serve him with, we read about those in Romans chapter 12, they are gifts from God that we receive by faith. God doesn't force any of these upon us. We simply have to receive them by faith and then move in what he has given us. God makes all these blessings available to us, but they come to us by the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not just God and me and somehow there's a gift in my life. The Holy Spirit is the conveyor of the gift. It is the Holy Spirit who brings all these things to us. It is the Holy Spirit who one uh, expression that we used before is the administrator of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit brings the gifts of God to us. The wisdom of God comes to us by this person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is somewhat difficult to define. God the Father is easy to define because Jesus said when you pray, pray our Father. God, God wants to be a Father. He was the Father. Uh, he called Israel his first son. So this imagery, this language that's used by God in Scripture all the time is that God is a Father to us. So we, we understand him in that relationship. He's a Father, like a, a personal Father. It's clear to understand the relationship we have with Jesus because Jesus came as a man so we can understand that very clearly the Holy Spirit now he's a little bit more tricky a little bit more difficult to understand him the the definition of him why is that let me suggest three possible reasons the the ministry of the Holy Spirit him coming 
he doesn't come and disclose himself. He only talks about the Father and the Son and he comes to disclose to us the Father and the Son. He reveals Jesus to us and he makes the Word of God complete in us. So he doesn't disclose himself to us. So we know he's there, but then he doesn't want to push himself forward as one who is there. Scripture also speaks to us about the Holy Spirit as a definite and an indefinite article. He describes the Holy Spirit as a he and also the Holy Spirit as an it. And so we have to appreciate when we're reading the scriptures, we're, we're, we're reading about a person, but it's also a force and a power very often. In John 16 and 13, it says this, Jesus speaking quite clearly, he says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So we can say, well, the Holy Spirit then is a person, he is a he. Sometimes the word of God describes the Holy Spirit as an article, an it. In Acts 2 and verse 3, it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Well, that wasn't a person that settled on their heads or whatever was happening in that room. It, was the, it looked like fire, so it was an article. It was an it. We also know the Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to as wind or oil. And we know in the case of Jesus at his baptism, it said a dove came and rested on him. And the dove was typifying the anointing that God was sending on Jesus at that time so he could go off and do the ministry. Prior to the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Jesus, Jesus never moved in the power of the Spirit at all. He never did a miracle and he never acted in that way until the anointing of the Spirit came upon him. The third reason why he's a bit difficult is because both our experience and the scriptures make it clear there's much more to the Holy Spirit. He has many activities. He does, sometimes it looks like strange things or strange things happen when the power of the Holy Spirit is around. We can't adequately explain him. That's fine. There's lots of things in the scriptures we can't adequately explain. So we just simply leave them as they were and accept and understand what we can. I've already said things we can't explain. Why did he come with tongues of fire? Well, you might have a very good answer for that one. That's fine. Although the scripture doesn't explain it, not precisely. There's another example I could point you to when Zechariah, remember the father of John the Baptist, and uh, he was in the, in the temple there, and it said an angel came to him and told him that his wife would have a son, John the Baptist. And he said, show me a sign. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came and he, was, he couldn't speak. So he went home and he never spoke for some months until the child came. So, so what, what's that all about? What a strange sign that the Holy Spirit brought to him that would cause him not to speak. It's interesting, I picked on that one because some years ago, this is in 
1994 now, so it seems to be going back quite a long time. In that year, there was the Toronto Blessing. I don't know if you remember that. And I went with a number from our church, and it was a wonderful experience. It was a real outpouring of the Spirit, in, and there were lots of phenomena that were going on. And one that struck me, uh, I had been to a meeting. The meetings were every evening. I'd been to a particular meeting, and uh, the power of God was there in great force. I'll just say that. If you, if you hear negative things about the Toronto Blessing or negative things about anything, don't just jump on the negative, but just listen to what people are saying and, and don't be swept either way or the other. So for me, it was a, a wonderful experience. But this is one thing that happened to me. Uh, the following morning after a particular meeting where God was really close and working in my life through the Holy Spirit, I got up and had breakfast. We were staying in a motel with some other people. Well, the, the whole motel actually was filled with Christians who had gone there for this, uh, these particular meetings that were happening at the time. And uh, I sat around a table with some others and we started to speak about, obviously we were only speaking about one thing for the, about the whole week. And uh, I tried to say the word Holy Spirit, only I couldn't say the word. I could say every other word I wanted to say, but when I wanted to say Holy Spirit, it wouldn't come out. I thought, that's weird. So as the conversation went on, I thought, I'll try this one again. So when I tried to say it again, it still wouldn't come out. I thought, oh, I thought, oh, strange. Well, lots of strange things were happening that week. So I wasn't particularly perturbed, um, but through the day I tried maybe on my own or in other conversations, I tried to say it and it wouldn't, I couldn't say the words, say everything else clearly. That evening, uh, it came back. I could say it clearly again. Now, that's quite a number of years ago now and I've thought and pondered about it a few times. I've heard other things that other people said and said, was it that? But the truth is, I don't know why that happened to me. It was just a strange phenomena. And so, as I say, the Holy Spirit sometimes is a bit difficult to define exactly who he is. And that's fine. Leave in there the power of God there, the person of the Trinity there, who wants to come and work in our lives. Now, there are many aspects of the Holy Spirit's work, but I want to just divide them into two this evening for you. There is what we can call the internal work of the Holy Spirit, and there is the external work of the Holy Spirit. Let's consider first the internal work. The internal work is to bring people to an inner conviction about whatever God wants to talk to them about. The first thing he does is bring an inner conviction, so this is him working internally, is an inner conviction of sin. Now, you could have this example where you take a friend to a Christian meeting and the gospel is, is spoken, it's preached very clearly. And the person who is with you, nice people, not born again of the Spirit, they listen very carefully to what's being said, but it doesn't impinge on them. It doesn't convict them of sin. It doesn't do that. And so you chat to them and they seem, you say, did you understand? And they say, yeah, clearly. I mean, the man was speaking quite clearly, understood exactly what he said, because there's no conviction of sin. 
There's no, there's no work of the spirit that is apparent on that occasion. So they might go to another meeting and another meeting and the result is the same on the second and third as many times as you talk to them about Jesus or they hear others talking about Jesus, there is no conviction, no work of the Spirit internally that's obvious. And then all of a sudden, one day, something happens and they get it. It's no different to what went before. It's the same thing being said, maybe in slightly a different way. But this time, for some reason, there is a conviction of their sin their need for the Saviour. It says in John 16 and 8, when he, that is the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit has been poured out. He was poured out on the day of Pentecost. But it's, it's up to God when he comes to a person and convicts them of sin. If you're a believer this evening, it is by necessity that the work of the Holy Spirit happened inside of you. If he didn't, you would not be born again. It is a work of the internal working of the Spirit. He reveals to both our heart and our mind the need of salvation. It has to be him doing it on the inside. Then he confirms in our heart that God has forgiven us and accepted us. You just know. It doesn't take a lot of explanation. In fact, explanation is not necessary. There are things that the Holy Spirit comes and conveys to you from God. You simply know. You know you're a sinner. And then after a prayer, you know that God has forgiven and accepted you. Sometimes people aren't sure or the enemy comes to steal the word away. But by and large, we know we've had a meeting with God, with God through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always seeking to bring God to us. The Holy Spirit is always seeking to bring Jesus to us. He never brings himself to us. We don't talk to the Holy Spirit or talk about uh, or talk about him he is coming to reveal to us both the father and the son so although he's real and a person you can see how sometimes he's a bit of a mystery because of the work that he's got to do it says in Romans 8 and 16 the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children that's the work of the Spirit. Now, there is an external work of the Spirit. That's an internal work where he comes to minister or to convict or to bring truth on the inside. Subsequently, his work is to help us. So after we are saved and born again of the Spirit of God, his work is to help us to live a Christian life of obedience. Obedience is vital to God because we're in a covenant relationship with him and so the work of the Holy Spirit is to enable us to live obedient obedient in our love obedient in our service so the the Holy Spirit comes internally to convict and then he comes externally to help us 
to live this Christian life. Acts 1 and verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we see the Holy Spirit comes in and comes on. That really takes us back to Pentecost and fire, doesn't it? With Pentecost, the fire came on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, but then later it says, and they received the Holy Spirit into them. So there's the external work, moving in the air, as it were, affecting us. Then there's the internal work of the Holy Spirit coming inside of us. Following salvation, then the work of the Holy Spirit is to empower us for service, to cause us to be obedient. One of God's big problems under the Old Covenant was to get his people to be obedient. In fact, you know they failed all the time in their obedience. But under the New Covenant, God had to deal with our disobedience. And the way that he dealt with it is he sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. So then he can enable us to be obedient in service to him. Just as you could not come to God apart from the Holy Spirit, neither can you live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. We need him all the time in our lives to empower us, to help us. I believe, uh, when I say I believe, that means uh, it's up for question. You understand that? You don't have to believe that. And uh, so you can't shoot me down in flames if I say I believe something. So uh, I believe there are many believers who have confessed faith in Jesus Christ, they are concerned about truth and righteousness, yet they've never known the personal infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come and convicted them of sin, and they want to move on as a Christian, but they haven't received the infilling of the Holy Spirit into their lives. The Holy Spirit brings with him what we might call the anointing. What is the anointing? I've already mentioned the fact that when Jesus went through the waters of baptism, the dove came upon him and that was the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, with regard to us now, out of his glorious riches, out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. It isn't the Holy Spirit that dwells in our heart. It's Christ that dwells in our heart. The Holy Spirit is the conveyor of truth, is the conveyor of Christ and the Father to come and live on the inside of us. So it is through the Holy Spirit that Christ lives in our heart. Now, that's a little bit of thing we've got to just hold clearly in our heads there. Otherwise, we might go off talking to the Holy Spirit or praying to the Holy Spirit. We mustn't do this. He conveys Christ to us. The Father, the, Jesus said, I and the Father want to come and dwell with you. This is in John's Gospel. And that is done by the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling within us. The word Christ, it means the 
anointed one. The anointed one comes to dwell on the inside of us to bring the power and the rule of God in our lives. We used to say or sing a song, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Well, we sang that because we wanted the Holy Spirit to bring the presence of Jesus into us. By Christ coming into our lives by the Holy Spirit, he reigns in our life. He sits on the throne of our lives. In his earthly ministry, Jesus brought the power of the kingdom of God into the lives of many sick people, many uh, defeated people, broken people in their lives. He would come and in his teaching and in his ministry to them, the power of God entered into them. The anointing that was on him went into those people. Remember when Jesus sent out the twelve, he anointed them and they were able, because of that anointing that came from him, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. It was a special dispensation for that time before the Holy Spirit came in his fullness, especially for his disciples, his followers. He sent them out with an anointing to do the things that he had been doing. They would have to wait, like all of us, for the Holy Spirit to come into the world. We find that as he touched people, that something flowed from him. The anointing that was in Jesus, something, some power that was in him, we call it, we know it's the power of the Spirit, it flowed out of him and it touched the bodies of other people. Remember the woman who was sick. She, she, she find the story there in Luke uh, chapter 8. It says, Jesus, when she touched the hem of his garment, Jesus said, somebody has touched me. He said, I know because power has gone out of me. That anointing that was in Jesus, it actually flowed. The, the power of the spirit that was in him, it flowed out of him and it went into the body of that woman and it healed her. In John's Gospel 7 and 38, he says this about us now. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. So the Spirit who is a person lives in us, but it appears what flows out of us is the power of the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't flow out of us, but the power of the Spirit flows out of us in the same way it flowed out of Jesus. Jesus ascended into the presence of his Father and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that rested on Jesus has now come and it is with us. We can consider it as the Holy Spirit in or the anointing of the Holy Spirit on us. Sometimes we like to just think about whether, is he a person or is he a power? I'm sorry, I can't, you have to accept both of them. He is on us and the person of the Holy Spirit is in us. The anointing then is now with those who believe and have received the Holy Spirit into themselves. Just as streams of blessing flowed from the person of Jesus, 
they too should flow from us. It says, these signs will follow them that believe. So that which happened to Jesus should also happen to us. Jesus instructed us to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's interesting, we often just pray for the sick to be healed. There's nothing wrong in that, please don't get me wrong, but this instruction here says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So there is an argument that it is sufficient that the power that is upon us, the spirit that is within us, simply through the laying on of hands without any prayer, because the anointing is with us, the anointed one is in us, simply through the laying on of hands, the sick can be healed. Now, God's not offended if you pray. I think sometimes we put the we put the responsibility back onto God to heal the sick. Please hear me carefully here. We pray and say, God, will you heal the sick? And then the sick person doesn't recover. And we say, well, God, you didn't heal them. Well, all healing comes from God. But, but it's something of a, uh, it could be used as an excuse, really, why we are not in a place or we're not receiving, or we haven't received, or walking in a way that the power of God simply flows through us to the sick. I think that. Okay, so let's move on here. The signs of the Spirit's presence in us. For all the mystery then that I've spoken about regarding the Holy Spirit, there is a simplicity and I would say an exuberance of when we meet him. The first experience of the filling of the Holy Spirit usually produces surprise in people, joy, uh, a freshness, a lightness, uh, an exuberance. Uh, it's, it's quite a, a powerful experience to receive the fullness of the Spirit. I remember the first time I received the Holy Spirit into my life. I think I was about 17 at the time. So it was back in the 1960s. And um, of course, being brought up in a Pentecostal church, it was assumed that you would want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was just, it was power for the course, really. I mean, you wouldn't question it or debate it or think anything about it. The question is, have you received it yet? So uh, I was, by the time I was 17, I was quite... I wanted it. I, I really wanted to receive the power of the Spirit and uh, God was moving in my life to some extent and I remember I visited my brother with a friend and we were having a meal together. My brother's about seven years older than me and uh, further along in the faith as it were at that time and so we were chatting about the Holy Spirit and as he was talking about it I was getting more and more excited. It's like well, I don't want to keep talking about it. I want it. I want it. Anyway, I remember we had, got, we had finished the first course of this meal and uh, some people were clearing the table and they were going to bring the dessert in and my brother must have sent something. So he said, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? I said, yes, yes, of course I want to receive the Holy Spirit. So he just prayed just in a moment, just said a few words and because the Holy Spirit just came into me as I received him by faith. Desperate, well, not desperate, that's a bit of a strong word, really. I, I, I wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, and then I just 
burst out uh, speaking in tongues and uh, you, you can imagine I was quite noisy because I could be quite exuberant really when it comes to the things of God. Uh, I'm generally a quiet person but when it comes to the things of God I can get a little bit excited. So I'm, I'm going off here in tongues and uh, my brother and his wife they lived above the in-laws because I'm making all this noise and the next thing I know someone's banging on the door and say can you be a little bit quieter in there please you're making too much noise so there was definitely an exuberance a joy a sense of excitement with the Holy Spirit coming into us in this first experience of the Spirit there's great excitement and joy. It can go on for days or, or weeks with different people. People are different with their different experiences. But there comes a time when it seems to drain away. Now, we don't actually know what's going on, but one's, uh, I don't know, exuberance is dampened a little bit. One just calms down a little bit or quietens down. Uh, scripture encourages us as Christians to keep being filled so if you've had an experience of the Holy Spirit filling you well don't think oh well that's happened now that's history go for another filling go for another experience of the Spirit coming in and, and recharging you again God's only too pleased to do that for us now, we have to be very careful balancing this up because some people narrow the work of the Holy Spirit simply to speaking in other tongues. And that's it. The Holy Spirit came, now I speak in tongues. Or the Holy Spirit came and some spiritual phenomena happened to me. Well, I definitely believe that when the Holy Spirit comes, you are empowered to speak in tongues. I believe that you are given a prayer tongue and you can enjoy that prayer tongue. There might be other things you might, uh, you might prophesy. There might be other manifestations of the Spirit of God. But the experience of being filled with the Spirit is something far deeper than these external charismatic experiences. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit when he comes, he wants to take us into... A deeper relationship with God that's what he's come for in the fullness uh, it was f great to be saved but he says listen do you want to come into a fuller experience receive me in my fullness and I will take you into a deeper experience he God requires of us holiness in our life a separation unto him and it is the Spirit of God that has come to separate us for God it is the Holy Spirit that has come to empower us in our daily living. And when I talk about power, I'm not simply talking about the miracles of healing and deliverance, but just the power to love, the power to share the gospel, the power uh, to be an encourager, the power, the power in our life to cause us to be effective in every area of our life. Just a couple of uh, important elements I want to draw to your attention before we bring this first session to the close. It brings a new sense of God. The Holy Spirit brings with him a new sense of God. Look at that passage in Isaiah 6 and verse 1. 
Isaiah is in the temple, as it were, and God is going to move on him in a very special way and, and send him on a, on a particular ministry, the minute, well, as he enters into his prophetic ministry, really. He said, I saw the Lord. I saw him seated on his throne. He was high and exalted, and the train of his robes, they filled the temple. You see, from that moment, he had just... A new experience of God by the filling of the Spirit God wants to give you a new experience of him see him in a whole new way he wants to magnify God to us the second thing he wants to do he wants to bring a, a dynamic reality of God's power into our lives in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 the scriptures say this but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Sorry about that. You're just a boring jar of clay. That's all you are, really. Uh, nothing attractive on the outside. Don't worry about that. Remember when we studied the, 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 the tabernacle, there was nothing very attractive about the tabernacle. The beauty was all on the inside of, of the tent of meeting. He says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. So within us there is a power. The power of the Holy Spirit as we receive him is all-surpassing. In other words, there isn't a power that can stand up against the power of the Holy Spirit within us. We should never say, oh, I can't do that, or that's too difficult for me, or I don't think I can do that, because you're denying the potential of the power of God within to overcome everything in your life. The third element is there is the immediacy of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is with you, Jesus said. By the Holy Spirit coming into us, the king is established on the throne of our lives. Christ seated on the throne of our hearts. The fourth thing is, is a fresh experience of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need them when we gather together as a church. We need to see and hear the manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It, it isn't just for special churches, it's for all Christians. Christians that are open to the infilling of the Spirit, the Spirit comes to manifest himself amongst the worshippers. Tongue, interpretation, prophecy, words of wisdom, words, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, uh, the gifts of healing, miracles, all of these things are manifestations of the Spirit. And in our gatherings together, space has to be made for these things to, to be manifested. Otherwise, they won't be. Now, it, it's, it's for those that lead to, to make space for these things to happen. And I tell you, they will happen. Uh, sometimes it's just one or two who start to do it. But then others will, will do it as well because those that are passionate for the things of God, they will start to be hungry and thirsty and God will move upon them in his power and move through them and we'll see wonderful things happening. The fifth element is an upsurge in praise and worship. The spirit within wants us to magnify the Lord. So it says in Hebrews 13 and 15, through Jesus therefore, 
Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. It's not surprising that churches that entertain the Holy Spirit, they want the Holy Spirit, they make a lot more noises than churches that don't. That's not a criticism of anyone. Please don't ever, it's just, it's just an observation that those churches are more exuberant. They want to make more noise. They want to praise the Lord. Oh, they're called happy clappies. Well, I don't mind if you call me a happy clappy. I'd rather be happy clappy than uh, doom and gloomy. Uh, so there we are. So just, uh, this is just a phenomena of the spirit, I believe. And, and the last element I'll just bring to you at the end of this session is a, a new unity of heart and spirit. Where the spirit of God is moving amongst his people, the people have a new unity. It says in Ephesians 5 and 18, be filled with the spirit, it says, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another, it says, out of reverence to Christ. So where the spirit is given free reign in our lives, where we've taken him in, in his fullness into us, where we receive this person or we've received the anointing, hopefully we've received both, that there is a greater unity within the body of Christians. Okay, that's the first session. Like I said before, normally we'd have a little break. If I give you a little break, I only extend what we're doing. So I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go straight into the next session. So if you're with me, if you need to go get a cup of tea or uh, a drink of water or a break, I don't think that's fine. Uh, but I'll just, um, I'll carry on with this second session. This, this second session is headed meeting, meeting with the Holy Spirit. We have to meet both the person, we have to meet the person, and also the power. First I want to deal with meeting the person of the Holy Spirit. God is a person. I sort of generally explain how we can appreciate him as a person, but there is a sense in which he really is a person. We could call him a free personal spirit. God is spirit. If God chose to manifest his body or a body, he could easily do that. He could appear in human form to, to anyone if he wanted to. But he is, a, he is a spirit, but as a spirit, he is a personality spirit. He wants to relate to us, as I've already expressed, relate to us as a father. It says in Ephesians 3, 14 and 15, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. So he is the father of all fathers. He is the father of his children. He says, uh, the whole family in heaven, on earth. Uh, so those that have gone before from the Old Testament, he's their father. And we who have come in under the new covenant, we're two. Uh, he is two, our father. God is a person. If we are people, persons, which we wouldn't argue with that, this is something that we have in common. There's not much we have in common with God. But one thing we could say we have in common with God is he is a person and I am a person. We could also say the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person 
of the Trinity. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, he can make himself real to us. He can present himself to us. Although we don't see him, he can present himself to us as a person. Have you noticed how some Christians speak? It's as though they have a very personal, intimate relationship with God all the time. They say, oh, God said this to me and God said that to me. Well, don't knock it. Um, just accept what they're saying. Uh, whether they're right or wrong, that doesn't matter. But God wants to have a personal relationship with us and he encourages us to do that. Some other people, they're just more remote. God's more indirect with them. I would pursue the thing of having a personal relationship with him where I hear God speaking to me. Now you say, oh, what do you mean, the audible voice of God? Well, to, to be true with you, I've only heard the audible voice of God once in my life, but I hear God speaking many times, many times through the Word of God, uh, through preaching, through things that I read. We can hear God speak to us just quietly when you sit down sometimes and just allow everything to go quiet and you just talk to God, but then listen to God, God can speak very clearly into your spirit. It takes some practice. It just doesn't happen because we choose it. We wait on him and God speaks to us. We must think the way that scripture tells us to think and not have all of our own ideas. The idea of God speaking to us, I'll turn you to a verse in the Psalms. It's verse uh, Psalm 103, rather, verse 7. It says this, it says, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. What Moses is saying there, or that I believe that Moses wrote that, um, Moses spoke to God face to face. He is called the friend of God. And don't forget, you are a friend of God because Jesus said, I call you friends so he wants this intimate relationship god wants that intimacy that personal relationship with you that he had with moses that he had with abraham it says of, of moses that god spoke to him but the people simply observed what god was doing there are many christians who simply observe what god is doing but there are other christians who speak to god god speaks to them they know what God is saying. They, they are familiar with his voice, mostly from the scriptures, but they're familiar with the way that God thinks and the things that he said. Now, the Holy Spirit, as I said, doesn't make himself visible as a person, but he is very real. He is real. He can make a great impression on our lives just like some people do we let people make a great impression on our lives don't we we open ourselves up to certain people and other people we don't open ourselves up to them and they don't make an impression on us but the Holy Spirit comes to make an impression on your life he connects with our human spirit 
He might not even connect with our understanding at first, but connecting with our spirit. And sometimes our mind has to try and work on what the spirit has said to our spirit and work through these things. I want to give you an illustration as you think about meeting the person of the Holy Spirit. There are people that you're open to and people that you're close to. We don't usually, or some people wear their hearts on their sleeve, don't they? And as soon as you meet them, they've told you the whole life story, everything that's wrong with them, every, 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 every everything. Yeah, that's not the wisest thing to do. Best to hold some stuff back until you know some people a little better and you know you can confide and speak to them. But there are some people that you feel Im almost immediately comfortable that you're quite prepared to open yourself up with them. And there's other people when you meet them, you think, hmm, I don't think I'm going to tell you too much about myself. I'm just going to keep it a little bit quiet. Just, I'm just not absolutely sure. So let's imagine you're walking down the street and you meet somebody and he's, this is one of the people that you're, mm, you're not too sure about. Um, you think, oh, can I trust this person? So you greet them and you exchange some pleasantries, um, but no real personal contact or encounter goes on with that person. It's all very pleasant and nice, but they're there and you're here and no real connection has gone on here. You see, before you even met them, you decided you were going to keep closed. You weren't going to open yourself because you couldn't trust them. And so you kept yourself closed. Now, I want you to go down the same street and meet a person now, somebody you really like, somebody you admire, somebody you feel that when you talk to them, you can talk very freely. You can talk to them about all the things that are in your life. In that case, and as they talk to you, a real encounter takes place. There is a personal encounter between the two of you. And each party, when they separate from their conversation, they take something of the other person with them. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you feel those things sometimes like, hmm, he shared something with me. He's, he's, he's something has entered into him from me and I've been open to him. So we move away with the peace of the other person because we've opened ourselves. Now consider this, that God is a person. He is made present to us by the Holy Spirit. We have, to, we have to get hold of this. God, God doesn't come and deal with us. He sends the Spirit to deal with us. Now, you think, is there any difference? Well, only theologically, it's going to help us in the future. It is the Spirit who comes to us. So we meet the Holy Spirit, but he is conveying to us the Father and the Son. That's his job, to convey to us the Father and the Son. And God has the same capacity 
through the Holy Spirit to open himself to us or not to open himself to us. Now God wants to open himself to us. He wants a deep relationship with us. He wants to enter into us so he leaves a piece of us with him and we leave something of ourselves with God when we interact with him. Remember, God's desire throughout Scripture is the same. He wants to live amongst us. He wants to be our God and he wants us to be his people. That same intimacy we see in the Garden of Eden between Adam and Eve and God, that closeness, that covenant relationship, that's what he wants from us. And so the Holy Spirit comes to reveal God to us but God, we have to be open, open to have those conversations, open to receive from the Spirit the heart and the mind of the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit wants to open himself to us, revealing God to our spirit. And we should want to respond to what God is saying. So often I, I, I go into my study and I think, oh, I've got to get on with something. And I definitely feel God say to me, I almost hear him say, no, sit down first. Just sit down and just be quiet and listen for a minute to me. Just sit quietly. See, he's not against me studying and getting stuff but he knows I first have to relate to him. He has to impart himself to me and he wants me to impart some things from myself to him. Continuing with this train of thought, what is it that opens us up to other people? You think, oh, hmm, okay, if I met someone I would be, I want to know they're interested in me. Uh, maybe the way they look, maybe the way they give me their attention, maybe just a touch. Uh, it makes me more open to them. Um, you know, just, just their attentiveness to me. All these things open us up to a deeper relationship with somebody. If we feel that somebody's not listening or doesn't really care or wants to say what they want to say and are not giving us time to speak, we close down. We don't open ourselves up. God wants us to be open with him. He wants us to be vulnerable, to share things with him, not to be controlled in his presence, to be receptive to him at all times. God does the same with us. He whispers in our ear. He proves his love to us in many ways. He provides for us and he protects us. He is showing signs to us that he's really interested in us. He wants to go deeper. He wants the Spirit to come and enter. And so it is the Spirit that creates this relationship we have with God. The Holy Spirit 
is personal. He speaks to us personally. Remember, it's him we're welcoming into ourselves, but he comes only to convey the Father and the Son to us, not himself. So when you've met with him, you've met with God. As he's come into your life, you've met with the living Christ. That's his work, to convey those two to us. I want to now to look at meeting the power of the Spirit. Persons meeting the power. Remember, he comes as a person, but he also comes as an anointing upon us. I've said the Holy Spirit is, is given imagery in the Bible. Uh, fire and water are probably the two most powerful images. If you think about fire and water, fire and water keep you alive, but fire and water can also kill you. So we have to be careful if there's too much of it, we'll drown and get burnt alive, but we need it to keep warm or to cook or to sustain our bodies. So just as in the natural we need these elements in our lives, we need as Christians the Holy Spirit in our lives and we need the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, we need the power of water and the power of fire. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. In John 7 and 38, the Holy Spirit is described as water. We looked at this verse a little earlier. Whoever believes in me, it says, streams of living water will flow from him. The streams he's talking about here is the streams that are the power of God flowing from us. What does he mean? Every believer, every believer should know the power and reality of the Holy Spirit in them and flowing from them. Every believer should know the power and the reality of the Holy Spirit flowing from them. Depending on what your gifting is, and your gifting is, is, is the Holy Spirit coming to you and giving you that gifting, that gifting needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. When I stand and speak to people, I do pray every time, you can be absolutely sure of this, that the power of God was, will operate through me. If it's just my words, well, I might entertain you for a little while, but that's not, the, that's not the point. The point is I make myself available and I give myself to God that the power, the anointing power of God will flow through the words that I speak. That's, that's what I, I crave. If you're a person who prays for the sick, then you, you need the power of God to flow through you. Uh, sometimes you just know an anointing is there Sometimes people are healed, sometimes not, but if there is anointing, some, the, something of the power flowing through you, you understand what's going on and people are often touched by the power of God. If you're a person whose primary gift is to just love people and to be an encourager, well, you need the power of God to flow through you doing that. Just to, to be bright, to, to get, be positive in people's lives. 
as a server you need the power of God when everyone has given up and they've had enough that you've still got a heart and passion to serve people and a giver when other people have put their hands clearly in their pockets and they're going to get nothing out you need the power of God to touch you so you can give so it's not just the power to do the miraculous but the power of God in every sphere of our lives we are dependent as Christians if we're going to function in whatever gifting giftings that God has given us his power flows without the Holy Spirit's power in our lives it's impossible it is impossible to live the way that God has called us to live we need his power we cannot live the Christian life with our own natural strength in fact the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary for the full enjoyment and fulfillment of our human existence God designed us to be people empowered by his spirit Got another analogy for you this time it's, it's as though our lives are like um, I don't know, a drinking glass, a tumbler. A drinking glass is made for one specific purpose. Oh, you might catch insects with them and put them out the door. I understand that. But that's not what a tumbler or a glass was designed for. It's designed to, to drink out of, uh, drink water or whatever fluid. So that's what the tumbler is designed for. The chief purpose of your life, if you ever wonder what it is, is to contain God It's for the Holy Spirit to come into you so you are a container of God God made us to be channels and expressions of his life here on earth so we're filled with God and God flows from us in love in generosity in kindness in all these things it is God that is flowing out of us it's not you trying your best making the greatest effort you can operating in the natural but it's the for the power of God to flow through our lives because of the original sin in the garden we leak uh, as when we were born we simply leak the power because of what happened we can no longer in fact hold the power of God as a normal person we are spoilt vessels God can't fill us with his power until three things happen to us in our lives they are stages of restoration really the first thing is the glass is dirty it's dirty on the inside so it can't be filled with clean water so it's cleaned it's cleaned through the cross of Jesus Christ is atoning sacrifice for us cleanses us so now we are capable to receive God's power the glass is often cracked now if a glass is cracked you might think oh it's not too bad but that's not wise because when you put something in it or you give it to somebody it's that's the very glass that's going to crack even worse and that's more embarrassing so we throw cracked glasses away because God doesn't God heals them God restores them God touches them God sends his word and he heals cracked glasses he sends via the person of the Holy Spirit his word 
to heal. His love, his deliverance, his healing power, he sends it so this glass becomes whole. The third thing he has to do, I don't know how you store your glasses, do you store them upside down or the right way up? Well, if you restore them upside down, um, some people do, uh, we don't, uh, no, we don't. Uh, if you store them upside down, you can't get anything in them upside down. So you have to turn them the right way up. Just as we invite other people into our lives at a deeper level, so we also need to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. It's almost like we need to be like this and say, Holy Spirit, come. I'm the right way up. I'm not closed to you. I'm open to you. Please, I remember once when you filled me many years ago. For me, it was a long, long time ago when you first filled me. But I tell you, I've gone back again and again and again and again and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me again with your spirit. Fill me with... And of course, he wants to. He wants to. He longs to. And because he's cleansed us and he's healed us and restored us, it's easy for him to fill us again with his spirit. Now, don't be embarrassed to do that. Maybe after you've even watched this tonight, you can just stand where you are and say, God, yes, fill me again with your spirit. I need more of your spirit because I can't function uh, in the way that you want me to. I can't do the things. The power will never flow from me and, until first you flow it into my life. Maybe it's drained away. Maybe I don't know where it's gone, but I must have more of your spirit in my life. Please, God, fill me with your spirit. See, I think when we meet together on Sundays, we should go full of the spirit. We don't go to church to receive the spirit. I mean, if you don't know better, but listen, imagine if we went full of the spirit. Imagine what the worship would be like and the manifestations of the Spirit. Imagine what we would be like with one another if we were filled with His Spirit. Often many go to church, they're empty. There is nothing. It takes quite a while to warm everything up and everybody up. And by the time we're three quarters of the way through the thing, we're going home. We must, we must fill ourselves up in the home all the time, every day, receive the fullness of his spirit so we function and operate in the way that God has told us to. Just to close this, well, when a preacher says to close it, you know you've got another half an hour at least to go. So, yeah, you know that story when he says, uh, when the, the, the preacher, uh, he puts the watch on the, on the on the lectern, you know, and when he picks it up and puts it on, he says, what does that mean? And he says, it means absolutely nothing. Okay, so, so don't worry about it. Okay, but anyway, we will be coming to the end of this uh, fairly shortly. Four important reasons why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So you'll know when I've got to the end, so there's four to go. We need the power to become. First, the power to become. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this, We all like sheep have gone astray. That's every one of us. Each of us has turned to his own ways. But God has made a way back, back for us to him. All mankind can get back to God. It says in John 1 and 12, Yet to all 
who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now, I'm going to quote to you from the authorised version, only because I think it's better on this particular verse. Listen to what it says here. But as many as received him, that's much the same, to them gave he the power, the power to become the sons of God. Power is different from right, isn't it? It's the power that has come into us to enable us to become the sons of God. To become a child of God, it took the power of the Holy Spirit. You never decided because you thought Christianity was a good idea and a good religion. The power of the Spirit of God came into you and conformed you to his image and made you a child. It took the power of the Holy Spirit to come to make you a child of God. That's the power to become. Secondly, there is a power to be. It's great to be born through, born into God through the power of the Spirit, but now we need power to go on in this Christian life, to live this Christian life. We need more of the power. That's why Jesus said to them, remember, he breathed on them and he said, receive my spirit. When he was in the upper room after he had risen from, uh, from the dead, he said, but he said, go to Jerusalem and wait there until the power comes upon you. Don't try and live this Christian life without the power of the Spirit. They had already been born again because he breathed over them and said, receive the Spirit. But now they had to wait for the power of the Spirit to come on. And so God only knows too well we need it. And it is readily available to us. It is one of the promises of God that has no conditions attached to it. They said to Peter on the day of Pentecost, what must we do to be saved? And he says, repent and be baptised and receive the power. The power is for you and for your children and all of your children. So it isn't, there's no conditions attached, simply that we come and say, God, fill me with your power, the power to be a Christian. The third area I want to just mention to you is the power to overcome. We all live in a war zone. You've worked that one out by now. It's, it's horrendous out there. There is a battle that is going on and the arch enemy is, is heading up the battle against us. And you swap sides. You were once on his side. You didn't know that. You were ignorant of that. But you went on to the opposition side. You lined up behind Jesus. He became your captain. He was the one now leading you into battle. And Satan is dedicated to stopping you, to stopping you living and following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his plan. He has a settled war plan against you to defeat you. But God has made his power available to us. 1 John 4 and 4. He says, you dear children are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Isn't it funny how we know those verses? Lovely, uh, familiar verses to us. There is a power that is available to you that can overcome anything, anything that Satan can throw at you in the world. 
because the power of the Holy Spirit is readily available to help you. The fourth final one is the power to witness. It says in Acts 1 and 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We need power to be a witness for Jesus. Can I say there's a difference between witnessing and testifying? Some people will struggle always in testifying about Jesus. They do. They just clam up. They can't seem to find the words. They find it difficult. Don't beat yourself up about that. Some people can talk till the cows come home. Yours, okay, okay. Uh, so don't worry about that. But there are some people, they, they live out their Christianity. The acts of kindness that they do, it's almost like when they do things, people see and the Spirit of God can convict people through the very things that they see people do. Now, I understand the gospel has to be explained and they have to realise, but God can powerfully impact people by others simply living out. The word witness is actually, it's a lifestyle of living. So whether you're a talker or a doer, it's all witnessing. It's all bringing people to Christ. And you do your witnessing and someone like me will come along and do the talking when it's necessary. But we're all involved in the whole thing. Don't draw back. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to go forward. Just step forward with a boldness. My last verse is John 14 and 12. He says, I tell you the truth. This happens 80 times in the New Testament where Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Whenever you read this, it means, number one, you're not going to believe it. Number two means, listen carefully because you're not going to believe it. So Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone, that's you, all of you sitting there this evening is an anyone. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to my Father. What he was driving at, he says, when I go to my Father, you will do greater things when I go to my Father. In going to the Father, he, the Father was going to pour out the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, listen, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, this, this stuff is limitless. You can do Everything that you've seen me doing, you have the potential to do this and to even do more than what you've seen me doing. Now, you could say, oh, oh could we ever function do more than Jesus did? Or uh, uh, is, is there something that Jesus didn't do that we could do? Or is he just talking about volume? I'll tell you something that Jesus never did, but I've done it hundreds of times. Okay, what it is, <laughs> I've prayed for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus never did that once, ever. But now the Spirit's been poured out on us, we have that privilege of being able to pray for people and Jesus is the baptizer, I know, but the privilege comes down to us something that Jesus never did. He never prayed for people to receive the Spirit, but we can again and again and again and again. 
And the church needs to be full of his power, full of his spirit. We need to be full of the spirit of God, the person of God coming into us in his fullness and the anointing of God and the power of God resting upon us as we move forward in our lives. Well, that's the introduction to this subject. So we've laid a foundation there. It gets, um, it gets hotter and hotter as the weeks go by. So thank you all for listening. God bless you and see you all again soon. God bless. You have been listening to the Arise Bible Academy podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching on the Holy Spirit and please come back next week for some more great teaching as we continue on the journey and discovering the third person of the Trinity. In the meantime, if you would like to partner with us, you can head on over to ariseministry.org.uk where you can make a secure online donation to the ministry, which would be much appreciated. Arise Ministry, a living legacy.